All right. Andrew, just like last time, you're going to be Jay on the... Uh... Yep. <laughs> hey, and thanks for calling me out on uh, Funny Books Unlimited last week, by the way. What do we do? Oh, about all your different identities? Yep. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Jim Brown. <laughs> Oops. Nah, that was we fine. We didn't expect that I, to be released. I thought it was funny. We don't talk about things expecting people to hear them. I need, I need somebody to have an F-bomb counter. I realized that was a little much. <laughs> it's for the drinking game. <laughs> somebody hammered. It sounded like kicked in the dice bags. Yeah, compared to Daryl and Bear Swarm, you were very moderate in your use of the F-bomb. I, I heard Daryl. <laughs> Daryl's funny. Hey, so I still don't know whether that person flirting with me on Wednesday was a guy or a girl, but what's up <laughs> now? I'm curious. I want to know. Yeah, we do too. What the fuck is up with that? That's a little confusing. <laughs> it was good looking, though. That's so funny. Big poofy jacket, middle of the winter. <laughs> I don't know if it was a really short, effeminate, slender dude or a you know slightly tall, really good looking girl who's flat chested. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm out either way. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. married, so it's not like I'm actually going to do anything. I would just, I just, my curiosity has been. I think you're going to have to find out for the podcast, Andrew. You're going to have to take one for the team. I can blog about it. Yeah. Actually, to, be, to me, I don't think it would matter because if I can't tell, I'm out. I'm not interested. <laughs> I would have clearly tell. My new column would be he or she. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is just like the league, Andrew. You're going to self-affixiate yourself to the point where you almost pass out, and the answer will come to you. <laughs> that didn't I work out so well in that Wesley Snipes movie. What was that, Red Sun? It didn't work out so well for David Carradine, either. Very good point. Good point. <laughs> Topical, too. All right, the list is there, fuckers. Darren, David Carradine found his answer. It just wasn't what he wanted. <laughs> his answer was, oh. you're done. Holy shit. Told you. There's a lot of banter on there, really. <sighs> Aaron's going to have another two-hour episode edit. But, you know, the great thing about editing the two-hour episodes is really I, I edit the first hour and fuck the second hour. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That is Stretch really – that's kind of my move. <laughs> hey, at least you're not playing WoW while you edit. <laughs> so uh, 11 years ago today – uh, my wife started bo- bossing me around. It was the day we got married and literally started bossing me around. Uh, she called me, we were getting the wedding ceremony was like seven. She's off doing her thing. I'm off doing mine. And she calls me that day, uh, around noon. And she's like, well, what are you having for lunch? I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm gonna have time to eat lunch. I'll just, you know, I'll eat after the ceremony. And she bosses me and tells me that I have to go eat, that she doesn't want me passing out, having a low blood sugar or something at the altar and God damn it, go get something to eat. You know, very stern, my wife. So I go to Quiznos and, uh, you know, a little stressed, you know, big day. I go to Quiznos waiting in line and a big long line at Quiznos. Get up to the to the uh, line, pay, uh, place my order. I step down to pay. And as I'm getting ready to pay, the uh, lady tells me, she says, oh, by the way, our toaster isn't working today. And I said, I said, what do you mean? And she says, well, you know. Our toaster isn't working today, and we won't be able to toast your sandwich. And I said, but that's your whole thing. You toast sandwiches. 
Quiznos, home of the toasted sub. And she's like, yeah, we're not going to be able to toast it for you today. And I said, so I'm getting some kind of uh, reduction on that, you know, you know, because I'm not getting my full service. So how much is my sandwich discounted today? She goes, oh, we won't be discounting your sandwich. It'll be the same price. And so I turn around and there's like 15 people in line. The toaster's not working and they're not telling you about it until you get up here. <laughs> I thought we were about to get a touching anniversary story from Aaron, but instead we get the Quiznos bitch. But now you understand why Aaron ended up in jail on, on his <laughs> Yes. Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. This is Andrew. Howdy, howdy. This is our my, my first week in two weeks without sub-freezing temperatures, ice, freezing rain, sleet, and snow. I imagine that would be very difficult on you considering you took up that part-time stripping job during the Super Bowl. My nipples were very hard. <laughs> <laughs> my driveway off. is still covered with a solid sheet of ice. Of so ice. as I walk to my car, I don't actually walk. I just get to the end of the uh, the sidewalk and then just push off and slide. <laughs> now, I know, Andrew, you weren't able to get comics a uh, week before last, right? Nope. We ended up with about 18 inches of snow and oh. the city just kind of s- shut down for a few days. Yeah, we had about six here and, you know, it started off as ice and then six inches of snow on top of it, and uh, I could not get to comics until uh, after we would have recorded last week's show. So, And then it snowed again this week on comic book day. It was really kind of a pain in the ass. It's like somebody doesn't want me to get comics. It is as if my wife controls the weather. <laughs> we, we had all of the same except for our mailman and our comic shops in Missouri aren't a bunch of pussies. No, no. I live in Missouri. And you weren't Face. able to get anything? Not until uh, late on Friday. And even then, the roads were, were a bit dicey, so I didn't want to try it. Uh, I got all mine on time. I went out and braved it. That's well, you know, St. Louis was right on the other end of that line. You guys got a lot more uh, ice and much less snow than we did. That's true. It was all solid ice. We were, there was some slipping and sliding. And I'm driving back from the comic store that first week. And the front hood of my car had been covered in ice all this time. And I couldn't get the ice off. So I'm driving along down the highway on my way home. And suddenly the entire hood worth of ice gives way, flings back, yeah. smashes against the glass window, scared the hell out of me. So I risked my life to get comics. And then we don't record <laughs> last week. You are That's, more dedicated than I am. I was about to say, but everyone else is a bunch of pussies because Wayne almost died. <laughs> right. But I didn't, and I got my comics. I guess there's a moral in there somewhere. I don't think there is. So how was the Super Bowl there, Aaron? How was how was traffic around town? Let me just say that on, on Sunday, I sequestered myself. I never left the house. 
it was crazy. The you know the everything leading up to it. You know things started to get a little bit more reasonable that Friday, where you could get out Friday evening, uh, and they had a lot of events and whatnot. But you know, tons of people lost money on this Super Bowl because you know you've got a whole week of festivities that are supposed to lead up to it, and with the weather, folks just couldn't get out in it. In fact, you had a lot of problems with folks being able to get into town who were trying to get here earlier because the the airport was closed for so long. Fucking Super Bowl. Fucking Super Bowl. But <laughs> it brought us some good things or, you know, bad things, depending on your point of view. We uh, we got <laughs> trailers for Captain America and Thor and your mom. Weren't th- Were there more trailers that we cared about? Fast and Furious 5. Fast and Furious 5. Hell yeah. That's better <laughs> than Captain America and Thor combined. What, was that Aaron's mom on the GoDaddy commercial? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let that one go by. (laughs) The Captain America preview looked awesome. I I was sporting wood after that that trailer. Yeah, it was badass. Probably seven times and each time pausing to try to catch characters. Like you can clearly see Dum Dum Dugan in it. You know, you pause it on the exact moment and see Red Skull pulling the mask off and and this, I'm trying to figure out who everyone walking behind Cap is. Is it yeah. the entire Howling Commandos, or is it just Dum Dum? Well, you know, my wife's not much of a superhero movie fan, you know, and she she's like the occasional Batman and Iron Man movie, but you know, she she doesn't get all excited for it like I do. And as we're watching the trailer, she's like, "Wait, is that Tommy Lee Jones? Huge Tommy Lee Jones fan." <laughs> so you know, now all of a sudden she's into Captain America, not because of Chris Evans, correct? Because of Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, I thought that was the uh, best trailer of the Super Bowl. I would agree. I would hands agree. down. I and I know Paul's not wild about it, but I like the Cowboys and Aliens uh, trailer. Really? Yeah, uh, that looked good to me. Oh man, come on! I can't. How wait. can you guys take anything over Vin Diesel and The Rock in speeding cars? I'm with <laughs> you on that one, though. Oh I'm, I'm dying for five for Fast Five. I haven't Let's... seen either trailer. What? Well, then your contribution to this is going to be minimal. <laughs> but I also haven't seen any of the other Fast and Furiouses because I just didn't care. Oh, that's why. feel free I to mean, skip two if you ever watch them. Just just skip the second one. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of right there with Wayne. Wow, you guys suck. You suck. <sighs> did you see the? Tra- Speaking of suck, did you see the trailer for X Men First Class? <laughs> I have not seen that yet. I saw I saw that you put it up on the site, but I haven't had a chance to watch it. Uh, it looks like the suck. Does it? It does. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm a little surprised because I, I had heard it was a reboot of the franchise, but it's it's a prequel to, to the original movies. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, so what's going to happen next? Are they going to have like an – because this is, takes place, I think, in the late 60s or whenever the Cuban Missile Crisis was. Right. Um, yeah, the early 60s. 60s. Early 60s. Um, and so it's like, are they going to have a 70s X-Men movie and then an 80s X-Men movie where they're going to listen to Duran Duran and shit? <laughs> oh, Dazzler's coming back. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of cool scenes in the trailer. Like, uh, I love seeing Mystique, you know, in bed changing into her regular form. But overall, the yeah, the trailer doesn't give me any hope for this movie at all. Yeah, but you know what that tells me about Mystique? She's 50 she's, years old. <laughs> yeah, she's How old. The hell does that <laughs> Hey, if she could look however she wants, why does it matter how old she really is? Isn't she old in the comic, though? She is. Yeah. It's just, eh, I don't know. 
I, I, I'm not the way I would have taken the franchise. I don't think it's going to help the franchise any. I mean, come on. If any of us could have married a shapeshifter, you know you would have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly I just, not that chameleon dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Andrew's into those uh, maybe dudes, maybe chicks. <laughs> well played. Could be, could be. I don't know. He or she. Mm. You know what else is questionable? A 19 inch tall Galactus. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I was at the comic shop this week. And they've got that that gigantic 19-inch tall Galactus action figure. Have y'all seen that? Yeah, oh, it yeah. comes with a little Silver Surfer too. Yeah, and I mean it's it's the thing is amazing. Uh, my comic shop sells it for seventy bucks, and at, I'm sitting there. Well, I got to start saving my nickels and dimes because that thing is awesome. It's got a little thing you punch on its chest and it talks to you. You know, it's got like eleven phrases. Like, uh, I am the devourer of worlds. Tremble at the might and the power cosmic. To me, my herald. You know, things like that. But I would want my Galactus action figure to say something like, bring me a sandwich. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm hungry for pizza. (laughs) So the best thing about this figure, though, was right right before we were got on, Aaron's talking about this. He sends us a link to Amazon.com and this figure. And there's Galactus sitting there riding on a dog. Yep. (laughs) Riding a Jack Russell Terrier. Which is what Galactus should be doing. You know, he should have some kind of... That should be his new herald. He doesn't need a jalopy. He doesn't ride a jalopy. He doesn't have an engine. He rides that dog. That's the Galactus engine right there. That's the dog's name. My favorite part of that picture... (laughs) Under the picture, it says dog not included. (laughs) (laughs) nice you're gonna find me a world you're gonna find me a world go do it boy go go who's a good boy boy? (laughs) can you just see galactus rolling around on the ground playing with his dog (laughs) (laughs) having to scold the dog for crapping on the floor you know crapping in the universe look at what you did (laughs) awesome well apparently paul crapped in a comic book shop I did, you know, uh, we all took part-time jobs, uh, you know, during the Super Bowl stripping. So I, ha- I had some extra singles to spend on a couple of comics. I had like six extra bucks. <laughs> um, so I walk into my comic shop, and my comic shop guy is actually at the Comics Pro uh, convention in Dallas this weekend, yep. or this week. You know, and that's where retailers get all sorts of cool announcements fr- straight from the comic Um they get handies companies. from the publishers, you know. Yeah, basically. Like last year's when they announced the Blackest Night Rings. This year they announced Flash Rings coming up for Flashpoint, things like that. Um, so my comic shop guy was there, and a different guy was at the comic shop this week. And so he, you know, he hands me my comics, and I'm looking through them, and I'm like, Avengers versus New Ultimates. Who gives a shit about this? Why is this in my fucking box? I didn't ask for this, <laughs> you know. And so I just put it back on the shelf. I'm like, clearly this was a mistake. This was not meant to be in my box. It's not on my list. It's not anywhere. There is no reason for this to have been in my box. So put it back on the shelf. So I'm ringing out, and the guy looks through my comics, and like he puts them in the bag, and then he looks at the computer, and then he looks back at my bag, and he takes (laughs) the comics out of my bag. (laughs) And he starts going through them again, and he, he stops on the cover of New Avengers, and he looks at the screen, looks back at the comic, and then he, you know, he, 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 you know, then he puts New Avengers down. He's like, 
did you have Avengers versus New Ultimates in your box? <laughs> they are calling you out. <laughs> yeah, he turns his monitor towards me, and it's highlighted in red on the screen. And I'm like, oh my god, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, but I didn't ask for it. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I, I'm positive. I there's no reason for that to have been in my box. He's like, okay, well, no problem. But you know, there's going to be a fucking email next week that says. Why did you put that back up on the shelf? It cost three ninety nine. Fucker. <laughs> I can't wait to hear you read that email on the air next week. <laughs> I, I am like hoping that he just deleted it off of the list after I left, and so it's not like waiting there, like on a little post in it. On you know, it's like when the guy comes back from Comics Pro, there's like a list, and number one is Paul didn't buy Avengers versus New Ultimates. <laughs> <laughs> It's like shit to handle when you get back. Paul did not buy that comic that you put in his box. And it's not it's not Paul didn't, it's that Paul. Yeah. That, <laughs> Scourge Paul. Yeah. That's what it is. Actually it's written, Paul be up to that old shit, not buying stuff that he asked for again. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it, it was it was it was it was a very awkward moment for me at the comic shop this week. I was like, yeah, yeah, again, oh yeah, again. So we'll we'll see how next week goes. There might be you a little. Should, you should dress up in a costume next time. Like you should go as the Phoenix Gorilla or something. <laughs> yeah, go full full face mask so they don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, wear your luchador mask, Paul. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I'll need to borrow Wayne's. I don't have mine. Finds at the cleaners. Be sure you borrow the uh, things, but, as well. I have a lot of things, but Luchador Mask is not one of them. I almost what? bought one once, but no, I didn't buy. You disappoint me. Now, if you want to cave, got those. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a field trip at Fear of the Con. Luchador Mask run. Oh, we need a we need a Luchador picture. What is that? <laughs> slot 4.5? Where the hell am I going to find a Luchador Mask in Wisconsin? Oh, they've got them all over the place. Amazon. Walmart. Uh, if you dr- if you dr- drive down to the corner, there's that luchador store. Oh, right, <laughs> the luchador right. store. Right next to the rental. I gotcha. They're in Wisconsin. <laughs> the lucha store. <laughs> I think they also sell cheese heads there. So, Paul, uh, you were going to tell me about your bitter disappointment regarding Flashpoint. Actually, I was going to ask about your bitter disappointment buying Time Master's Vanishing Point number six. Well, you know, I picked up Vanishing Point number six because it was the end of that series that we started and had had such big hopes for. And I knew it was going to lead into some Flashpoint stuff. I liked the book. It's amusing to me about uh, the story doesn't seem to have advanced much further, though, from issues one and two over here in number six, with the exception of, hey, we found Batman. But what I wanted to to bring out is, you know, back in 52, we were presented with uh, uh, Rip Hunter's chalkboard that had all the interesting items on the chalkboard and, you know, kind of laid out in 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 an interesting fashion. And this is just a bunch of text on there. I mean, it's just, why did it have to be Bruce? Shazam! The Outsider is in! The Terror of Aquaman! Wonder Woman! Princess of War! God bless the cyborg! I mean... Not anything nearly as cool as what you saw on the uh, 52 chalkboard on this one. So it just seems kind of half-assed. But Wayne told me that he does. Uh, he does say he on, does that say page, on that page though, that he didn't write it. Rip That's said true. That he didn't write it. Right, right. You're absolutely right. Rip did not write it. 
it, it was there when, when they got there. But the good news is, is that uh, Booster Gold's going, or Dan Jurgens is going to be writing Booster Gold. Yeah, he's coming back with issue 44, which uh, I, I think is a Flashpoint tie-in. They yeah, showed the cover of it, of it online. Yeah, and the, the last page of this book says that it's continued in Booster Gold 44 and Flashpoint number one. And while I'm not altogether interested in Flashpoint, I am interested in Dan Jurgens returning to Booster Gold. Yep, when he returns to Booster Gold, I will too. Yeah, same here. You know, I'm still not 100% on those 15 tie-in miniseries or what the hell ever. But I, I after reading Flash number nine this week, which was awesome, mm-hmm. and I'll write about it on the site, um, I'm game for Flashpoint. I, I'm, I'm excited about the idea. And I think I think there's going to be some cool stuff going on in it, and you know, and DC's going to sucker me into to buying a lot of <laughs> shit because uh, not only are we going to get special Flashpoint edition Flash rings when we buy Flashpoint. Yeah. Each miniseries gets um, when you buy it, you get a little button. I think it's a button of the uh, the the new you know the Flashpoint Universe logo that they've been using to tease them. So like you get the different Superman logo and the different Batman logo and all that stuff. So you know, a lot of lot of gimmicky shit that I'm going to end up buying just to get the rings and the buttons. I never yeah. got the Flash ring last time, and I wanted it too. I think I have a couple of extras. Not that we need to discuss this on the air. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me offline, Wayne. (laughs) Well, you know, I'd like to point out that, you know, we dropped off. I think it was issue two. We dropped off of uh, a vanishing point. And, you know, we're all kind of commenting about how the the superheroes like Green Lantern and Superman were uncharacteristically pricks to Booster. And that continues right here through issue six. I mean, Green Lantern says some terrible things about him. And I was like, you know, he doesn't do that in any other book. Why does he have this one? You know, he's not like that with anybody else. He makes fun of Booster's mom. He's like, hey, you know, your mom's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he's like Wayne. (laughs) You never see these guys be dicks anywhere anywhere else. You know, and yeah. it's, it's just uncharacteristic and inappropriate. Inappropriate, I say. Yeah, and actually seeing the writing in there, I'm on board for you know for him coming back to Booster, but I, I'd say I'm a little nervous. I don't know yeah. what happened to him there. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. All I can say is is uh, I Vanishing Point does not seem to uh, have moved the story very very much further though i'll say it was an enjoyable read in that a lot of stuff happened in the book there was a lot of action on the page so. i think it vanished is your cash <laughs> yeah so there you go vanishing point vanishing point so you spent a lot of money this week it sounds like mr head well you know i, I missed my comics you missed talking to us i did i did you were listening to to the first episode of funny books unlimited and you're like Man, I didn't get any comics goodness this week. That's right. That's right. I just got to listen to you and Tim blether on. (laughs) Get used to it. Yeah. (laughs) But so it sounds like we all picked up a bunch of comics this week based on our outline of uh, a ton of shit. And since we didn't talk about it last week, uh, I guess we'll start off talking about Amazing Spider-Man 653 and 654. The, uh, the last two issues of the Stefano Caselli, Dan Slott storylines featuring the Spider Slayers and the Scorpion. What'd you guys think? Um, I, I continue to dig uh, the Amazing Spider-Man book. 
love the artwork in this series. Um, I know Wayne, you've had uh, you did not care for the uh, Umberto Ramos artwork. Did you open up uh, uh, 653 or 654 to see if you like the art any better? Oh yeah, I love the new art. It's just looking through it, it doesn't look like it's a good place to jump on. I'm I can't wait for the point one issue because mm-hmm. I'm going to get that. And I'm going to see see if that's a good jumping on point. Well, I read uh, 653 and 654 back-to-back, and they are terrific reads. And what I love about the book, and I know I've said this before and we said it to Dan Slott, it is all new content content. beginning to end. You really do feel like you're getting your money's worth on this book. I mean it is just awesome, awesomely good. Yeah, they – and, you know, they've been talking about these issues for a while. In fact, Dan Slott mentioned that, you know, nothing will ever be the same again. Um, at the end of the storyline, and yeah. there were quite a quite a few uh, big incidents that occurred in uh, issue six fifty four. Perhaps a spoiler warning would be warranted here. <laughs> spoiler. I was expecting someone to die in the book. I was not expecting the person who died to die in the book. I really thought it was going to be Jonah's father, and uh, when it wound up being Marla, Jonah, Jonah's wife, very surprised by that. I mean, she's been a character in the series for, God, 20, 25 years. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not I gotta be honest, I wasn't that familiar with her character. Yeah, she was uh, the scientist that he went to to start building spider slayers for him. And that was back when I was reading in the 80s or so. How did he die? Um, she was the, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Alistair Smythe? Yeah, Alistair Smythe. Um, who's you know wearing Spider Slayer armor was trying to kill Jonah. She pushed Jonah out of the way and got one of his big um, claw talon things up through her side and killed her dead. And it's a really good scene. I mean, you know, they spend almost three pages on it. It's really very well done. And uh, unlike Johnny Storm, you can tell she's dead. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a de- it's a death scene <laughs> on page, and you know. You expect Jonah to do the, you know, Spider-Man, you're responsible. You're a menace. You killed my wife. And, you know, he says, uh, uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say that this is all your fault, Spider-Man, because I know this is my fault. My fault. All mine. I mean, you guys aren't aren't even talking about the part that has actually has me worried. And that is his, his spider sense is apparently gone. Yes, that's crummy to me. I don't, I don't like that. Really? Why? I think that's I, a, an interesting... That's a, and it happens all the, time. all the time. I don't know. I think that's kind of a hallmark of the character. I, I, I know I'm sounding old fanboyish. I get that. But I'm like, I don't, I don't like, like that. <laughs> it's, that's a common story. It's happened God knows how many times in the past. I'm sure he'll get it back. Yeah, I'm sure, but... I don't know. I liked that. I, mean, I thought it was kind of cool. You know, it sets up for some different storylines. I liked it. And I, I want to j- drop back to the Stefano Caselli art. I love the way he draws Spider-Man. You know, he looks like a man wearing a suit. Uh, so many times you see the uh, artwork on Spider-Man just kind of almost looks like it's painted on him. And you really have a sense that that's, you know, cloth. Like that scene where the, the you know, sense bomb is going off. And you can see the wrinkles on the on the uniform. Absolutely love that. But but hey, what about the backup feature? Which one? The uh, uh, in six fifty four with uh, Flash Thompson, 
becoming the new Venom. Yeah, I got to be honest that uh, that actually surprised me because preview art for the new say, Venom had showed him as a soldier. Yeah, and I expected it to be Vin, uh, Spider-Man's old roommate. Right. You must and, have avoided the internet because they spoiled that the week of, you know, the week that uh, Human Torch died. Well, yeah, I mean they spoiled it. I, like a week or two ago, but up until the until they spoiled it, I did not <laughs> expect it to be Flash Thompson because there wasn't, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of foreshadowing of that happening. This is just another example though, of Marvel not being able to keep their mouth shut for secrets. I mean, the Fantastic Four thing, they release a press release about this. They just, you know, accidentally drop it on a phone call, spoiling it for anyone that's reading the Internet, you know, weeks before it comes out. Well, I, you know, I'm, I think that Marvel's trying to, you know, drum up excitement to bring in new readers, but they're not being mindful of their current readers. I fortunately did, was not interested in the new Venom, so I hadn't read any of those articles, and uh, was surprised when I saw that it was Flash Thompson when I read this last night. Um, and I really dug it. Now I'd like to make I'd like to point out something. Um, Dan Slott wrote this, and I loved it. Just like Dan Slott wrote that backup article for Spider Girl. And I loved it. And while I have continued to pick up Spider Girl in secret, not telling y'all about it, <laughs> it's not been nearly as enjoyable as what Dan Slott wrote. And that's what concerns me about this because I think Rick Remender is going to be writing the new Venom series. You know, I like, I got to be honest, most of the Rick Remender stuff I like. The and, only and, time and, he and, really lost me was Frankencastle. And I like Rick Remender as well, and I, that's not what I'm saying, but it just concerns me that you know, you've know you got Dan Slott writing these as kind of the preview into the character. And I really kind of wish that they would do the actual writer who's going to be picking it up. That's a good point. Because while I'm really digging this, I'm not sure it's going to have the same flavor, just like Spider-Girl has not had the same flavor uh, from the backup issue, from the backup story that was in the Amazing Spider-Man issue. That's my concern. But man, I absolutely love this, and I'm not a fan of the Venom character at all. But I've always liked Flash Thompson, and I, th- I think this is very interesting the way they have it set up. Well, and I'm super excited because we got a Spider-Man last week, we got a Spider-Man this week, and Spider-Man 654.1 comes out next week and uh, features Umberto Ramos back on the art. Woo! And so, Seriously, um, that's a good jumping-on point there. For the point one, but I actually am excited about it because the art is finally, after over a year, the art is finally good. They're going to throw him back on the point one where I was going to give it a chance again. Oh. Yeah, you're going to love it. I mean, <laughs> is he back on the regular series at that point too? No, no, it's still next okay. artist. I think is Marcos Martin. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should just give Spider-Man up for Lost. No, because it's a damn good book, and exactly you know this. These two issues had the New Avengers in them. You know, we we mentioned that, but damn, I love the way that Dan Slott and Fred Van Linty. Let's give credit where credits due, because Fred Van Linty did a lot of plotting. Uh, did I guess a lot of dialogue? It says Dan Slott plot, Fred Van Linty script. So I guess Fred Van Linty did the dialogue and stuff. Um. The, the, the new Avengers in this book were awesome, and I really loved the the interaction with Spider Man, especially him and the thing. And and <laughs> and uh, Wayne, if I can pick up Red Robin, you can pick up Spider Man. Oh, Aaron! Aaron picked up <laughs> Red Robin this week. I did. His arm. 
despite protests, I will not pick up Red Robin. I didn't realize the Catman was going to be on. I didn't realize that. Sorry, I have to. I have to do a better Aaron impression. By God, I am not picking up Red Robin. <laughs> That's a fair impersonation. Yeah. But he did. He did. I did. I uh, I picked it up be- not because it was continuing the Teen Titans story, but because it was it had Catman on the cover, and I really do like Catman, and uh, it was all right. I didn't love it. Don't think I'll be picking up the next issue, but uh, you know I did like seeing Tim talking to the other Titans, and that was really about it. The book felt weird this time. I mean, it didn't have the same feel and flow of a normal Red Robin issue. I think it may have been because of all the guest stars, but normally Red Robin is my favorite book of the week, and I have to say I was kind of mad about this issue. And it's uh, like I said, this is normally my favorite book of the week. For me, the last three issues of Red Robin with the internet and this issue have felt a little weaker than it was for a while. Yes, I, I agree. I didn't care for the internet storyline, except we got to see a really cool costume that he won't ever wear again because he's going to wear this retarded costume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like they won the award for best ongoing series and said, you know what? <laughs> let's just uh, let's just crap on it from here on out. We've got our funny. It's, it's we can not- start phoning it in. Uh, it's not the art. It's I, I don't feel like it's the art. I feel like it's the storylines that aren't like reaching us like the other, like last year. Yeah, I'd agree. You're right. With that. The, the internet. How dumb is that? Let's be honest. Fairly dumb. Hey, but it's got an umlaut, man, and that instantly oh. makes it cool. So Let's that, tie into a miniseries that was lame. utterly crap, and that's basically <laughs> what they've done. I didn't. Yep. I couldn't make it through Final Crisis because it was that bad. I was really hoping that he was going to be calling the Teen Titans for something that was epic, and he couldn't handle himself, not, oh, I just need more manpower to hunt down all these clone bots or whatever. I'm like, that's very disappointing to me. I have to well, say, one of the things I found surprising about it was, as much as I like Catman, for Tim to have been so concerned that he wasn't his match. I, I thought that was a little surprising. Yeah, I mean, Cat. Let's face it, Catman doesn't have that reputation. He's gotten cool in the past, you know, few years with everything they've done in Secret Six. Right. But prior to that, he was a joke. Yeah, I, and I, and and while I, I think he's got great skills, you know, we've seen Tim take down some 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 pretty badass guys before. Tim and, didn't back down from Raja Ghoul. Exactly. Catman is no Raja Ghoul. Exactly. And that that was I was just like, well, that seems a little out of place there. Yeah. Well, I got to be honest, their conversation. After their fight, I had to read it three or four times to kind of get what was going on. Yeah. With the whole, you know, he, with him sending a text message and with Catman sending a text message to, to throw, you know, to, to basically put Tim's girlfriend in danger. Right. I, I didn't quite get that. The dialogue didn't actually work for me in that in that scene. So, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the writing in this issue was definitely, well, an issue. Yeah. Yeah, I, so you know, I don't know what you guys have been going on and on about this Red Robin thing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of figures the issue Aaron jumps on is one that left us all kind of <laughs> meh. But you know what? That wasn't the only disappointment I had this week. I was also kind of disappointed with New Avengers number nine. Really? Well, I yeah. tell you what. 
New Avengers 9, there were 13 pages that were just fantastic, and the rest was horrible. <laughs> Which artist are you talking about? Are you talking about Diodato, or are you talking about Howard Chaikin? I'm not even talking about the art. I'm just talking about the eight pages of the oral history. And, uh, you know, I know that Fury storyline, the ten pages of it, are going to come into play eventually. But right now, we have no idea how it connects to the new Avengers. Yeah. yeah. Now, I everything that was comic book in here, I loved. I, you know, I said on the, on the uh, last comic show that I didn't much care for Howard Chicken's artwork, and I really enjoyed it in this one. I, I, I thought it was, it was appropriate to, you know, that 1950s style, you know, that they were telling on that Nick Fury story. But, you know, I also really enjoyed the Diodato stuff. I, I liked the way he drew those characters. And I loved the story. I enjoyed everything that was going through. And then all of a sudden, it's over. And when I compare it, you know, your 399 comic to Amazing Spider-Man 399 comic, I was done with this in 10 minutes. Whereas, you know, it was 25 minutes or so reading all of Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, you're just not getting your, 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 your value out of this book. Well, the problem is they're charging you for this oral history yeah. stuff. And I'm sure someone's reading it, but it's not me. Yeah. And maybe that's my fault that I'm not getting value out of the book because I'm not reading the text portion of the book that's going to take forever to read. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't interest me. No. No, and I, I initially thought it was a kind of a neat idea, you know, because they were also going to be releasing artwork that you've never that we've not seen in print in years and years and years. Um, but I'm noticing that the caliber of the artwork that they're releasing now, now that we're what thirteen chapters into the oral history, um, isn't very good. and so you know part of the thing that they were trying to sell you on and you get exactly one image this time around and true it's a double paged image but it's not a very good page no No. it's not let me just say though that comparing this issue's art to last issue's art is like comparing a michelangelo to dogs playing pool so much better Aaron Thank likes you. dogs playing pool. I do Apparently like dogs playing pool. he does, but he can, he can suck it because it was awful. So. <laughs> you can suck it. <laughs> Howard, Howard, Jake, and thank you. Thank well, you and the D- – I mean I, I really – I enjoyed both artists very much. And, of course, I enjoyed the previous artist. Uh, but I, I, this was really very good. Um, I, I hate to see that Mockingbird got shot. Um, well, and I, I got to be honest. I, I, Mockingbird just came back from the dead. In Secret Invasion, so I kind of doubt they're going to kill her. Oh yeah, I don't think she's dead either. But it's a it's a nice looking page. The letter writing yeah. campaign has started. I'm crossing. <laughs> I love Mockingbird. I can't <laughs> believe you don't like her. Right. Her, now that but, she's got a new costume, I'm all over that. Right. We've already established you're wrong. You're wrong so here. just keep going. Nobody likes you. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know but that's the superhero. My stick, though. The superhero part of the story was was fantastic. I love how the thing brought a quick end to a discussion that has plagued, uh, you know, it's been a trope for a long time of the, well, we can't do anything because they haven't done anything wrong yet. And his solution to it is simple and elegant. (laughs) (laughs) I'd just like to point out that, you know, we've seen Spider-Man in two places this week, and in both places women die. So... Good point. I, I think there's a connection. <laughs> Susan Storm better watch out. Once he's over there, we could lose another member. Spider-Man is a menace. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, you know, you say that, and the funny thing is, when I read this the first time, 
I actually thought Spider-Man might have distracted her so she could be shot. Yeah, it does have that look, doesn't it? Because he comes swinging in talking to her about the sound the ray guns make, and she's like, she stops to talk to him, and then she gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> and it I makes a different sound when it hits something. He's working for the Nazis <laughs> in this book. That's what he's Ma- doing. Maybe he's a clone. He's a scroll. Secret Invasion 2, Electric Boogaloo. Coming this <laughs> I really dug uh, Luke Cage's... Uh, dialogue when superior appears yeah oh yeah yeah that's fantastic <laughs> what is she what's she a doctor of fineness <laughs> who is that fine piece of thickness <laughs> jessica jones response of really cage i'm right here <laughs> but i gotta be honest other than those and this is a problem i had with the last issue too other than the ones where they specifically reference somebody you don't know who's talking yeah, it is hard to tell. I mean, they changed the colors, but I mean, like, who's the red? Is that supposed to be Spider-Man? You know, who's the, the yellow and black? It's just, I, I wasn't quite sure who was supposed to be talking in those those word balloons or whatever. I like it to be a little more clear. Yeah, no, that is a little bit confusing about it. But, but speaking of Luke Cage, I also enjoyed his solution to not being able to hotwire a truck. <laughs> and he used to be so good at this <laughs> that's right <laughs> he just gets out and picks it up and I think what Marvel is saying is that all black men know how to wire a car <laughs> well we're, we can talk more about that when we talk about Power Man, Power Man and Iron Fist later about Marvel's <laughs> characterization of black characters <laughs> well I, you know I really do enjoy New Avengers I just don't think that it's given us enough book and I don't understand why they can give us so much more in Amazing Spider-Man, but they can't give us the same kind of thing in New Avengers. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, I think from their point of view, they feel like they are because of that oral history. And I'm not trying to defend them because they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I've heard – I mean I, I, listening to other comic book podcasts, namely Word Balloon where he has like Bendis on and guys like that. They'll complain about how comic readers don't enjoy the big wall of text in – you know, the prose or whatever in the uh, comic books. And, you know, I buy illustrated fiction because I like sequential comic book storytelling. I don't buy it because I want to read, you know, a novella. That's that's not what I'm buying. If I, if I want to read a novel, I'll go buy a novel. If I want to read a short story, I'll go buy a collection. I'm not going to buy a comic book for that. Well, so and, you know, what, I what enjoy... we take from that is that Aaron listens to other comic podcasts, so he's a nasty, dirty traitor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I enjoyed the wall of text at first, but it just keeps dragging on and on yeah. and well, on. And I mean, look at those pages. I mean, this is something else that annoys me about it. If you look at the pages, they're not using all the space. So it's not even like if you were buying a real magazine and you know the magazine was was publishing an essay or a short story or something where they're going to more efficiently use that space and give you more this is dragging the shit out is what it's doing you know they're shorting you you know however many comic book pages this is i mean look at that very last page 80% of that page is white you know on page 8 of the of the oral history you've got 80% is just blank. Continued in New Avengers number ten. Yeah, it's, it's and that it's is ridiculous. quite objectionable to me. And you know, as as somebody who has done layout work before, there is entirely too much white space on these pages. There's entirely too much. It's ridiculous, and it's just filler. 
you know, we're going to pay artist and a writer to write these many pages. We still need to fill up eight pages because it's a three ninety nine book. I'd prefer if they just didn't have those eight pages and charged me two ninety nine. Yeah. You know, as I recall from my history, I think I think the oral history is up to the eighties. So do we have another thirty years of comic plot line they're going to lay out in this? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I mean, Jesus we're in Christ. issue nine. It, it's it's going through Avengers and New Avengers. So we we. We're on issue nine of both books. I kind of expected it to be over by issue three or four or six. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's it's going through both books, and it's like freaking seriously. You know, it, it's about time this shit ended. Yeah. Just well, saying. And if Amazing Spider-Man is doing as well as we know it is, why wouldn't you emulate that elsewhere? You know, because I can get I can get right behind this three ninety nine price point if you're giving me a value. And all I feel like New Avengers is doing, despite the fact that I enjoy the characters, the story, and the artwork, I feel like that eight pages of oral history is ripping me off. Well, and you know, if this cost two ninety nine, I wouldn't complain about it. No, not at it's all. Three ninety nine. Yeah, for eight pages of shit you don't want. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're not drawing the line at two ninety nine like DC is. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Let's talk about Green Lantern Emerald Warriors number seven, which came out this week. Speaking of drawing the line of two ninety nine, you know, a, a hefty twenty page book that uh, was the the finale, I guess, of the uh, the first big storyline. Now we've we've been kind of hard on Green Lantern these last couple of months, um, and so what do you guys think of Green Lantern Emerald Warriors number seven, the prelude to the War of the Green Lanterns? Well, my thoughts are that I was so unexcited to read Green Lantern's Emerald Warriors that I chose not to read it yet. Those are my thoughts. (laughs) Well, there is that. (laughs) I have it. I bought it. I just haven't read it yet. That's a bold move. (laughs) I put it on the bottom of my stack. I mean, it it literally – I was avoiding reading it. I put hack slash number one above Green Lantern Emerald Warriors number seven. I really was delaying reading it just because I've been that unexcited about the Green Lantern books lately. But Timmy, you read it, right? I did read it. And? And, and well, I don't know. I there's something there's something missing. I, I don't know what it is. I like Guy Gardner. I I thought the art was not I was I, has been good this whole this whole run. I, I think there's some good character moments in here with with Sodom Yacht, you know, flipping out and. Uh, you know, trying to choke guy, but he thinks it's uh, whatever the other, the one of the blue Smurf guys, the one that <laughs> guy's working with, yeah, yeah, one of these guys working with, you know. And I, I, I like the part where guy has to find Blees and go and go red ape crap to get out of the the, the serpent. I thought that was cool. I think it was a fairly epic fight between him and the three eyed dude. I guess part of the problem is I don't feel like. Even though we've seen a bunch of issues with this guy in yellow, that we really know what he's doing other than being evil. Yeah, that was my issue with it too. I, I don't know what he's. What's his point? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. And maybe that's why I'm sort of disconnected from it because it's it's been really good, and I know, and I kind of I kind of get the I you know the reasoning that you guys aren't into it because it's going to lead into, you know, 16 more issues of. Green Lantern like mini series situations, but I don't know. 
I'm I'm kind of torn. I I I should really love it, but I don't. I just like it. I guess. What you are know, your feelings, Paul? It's uh, I felt it wasn't really a satisfying ending for me. I mean, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of fighting. You know, there's a lot of things going into people's mouths. I noticed there's a lot of the snake in the mouth type shit going on in this issue. Um, someone has an oral fixation apparently, but I just it just wasn't satisfying for me. Uh, you know, there's that spoiler warning on, I guess. Um, I mean, not that this was any freaking surprise, but um, Kilowog and Arisia come in at the last minute to help Guy Gardner. And there's like no excitement about it. It's just like told in a regular sized panel. You know, you would expect that to be a full page spread. Like, bam, they came back to to save the day. And no, it's just like another panel. Oop, I guess Kilowog's in there somewhere. You know, and then it just kind of ends. It's just over without any real resolution. Um, not only that, Sodom Yacht is still mind controlled, like he has been for since like for the last year. You know, how many times is this guy going to get mind controlled? You know, this guy was Ion for a while, and pretty much since then he's been a puppet. Just kind of meh. I mean, I was kind of meh on the whole thing, to be honest with you, and I. I was hoping that this issue would either give me enough to drop all the Green Lantern books or enough to make me comfortable in my decision to stay with the Green Lantern books. And uh, it gave me neither. So See, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. And there's two more Green Lantern books coming out next week. And there's, it has I have pushed Green Lantern so far down in my read pile that I'm just like, God, you know um, – Maybe I could just get out of Green Lantern, <laughs> but I know that I shouldn't because it, the energy on it should be pumping up in preparation for the movie. I just I'm just so not on board with the story, and I, and I don't know why. I mean, I, I really haven't been able to put my finger on it, except that I just feel like I've been in event mode with Green Lantern for so freaking long. I'm just kind of exhausted. Yeah, you know, and I thought I mean technically Brightest Day isn't over yet. Yeah. So um, are we're, we're preluding to War of the Green Lanterns. Is, is Green Lantern like not part of Brightest Day now <laughs> anymore? Because um, that, that that doesn't make any sense to me. So what's part of Brightest Day? Is it just Brightest Day? Because I mean, Flash is preluding to Flashpoint. So yeah, you got me. <laughs> so who's uh, who's involved with uh, with Green Lantern or with Brightest Day now? Justice Aquaman. League Generation Loss. Aquaman. Well, but he, but I mean, like, what titles are involved in Brightest Day? I guess, yeah, Justice League Generation Lost. But, I mean, is that even directly involved with Brightest Day? That seems to be going off on its own tangent. Do you get, like, White Lantern stuff going on in there? You get Max Lord stuff. And, yeah, there has been a little bit of White Lantern stuff with him, but not... Yeah, nothing that, that not would ruin lot. the flavor. <laughs> hmm. Well, speaking of Justice League Generation Lost... You guys picked that up this week with a very spoilerific cover. Well, and I got to say, uh, I know we're just in February, but right now this is my lead for best cover. I love the cover. Yeah, I mean, I was excited about the issue when I saw the cover because I've never liked this uh, this Blue Beetle. <laughs> well, I like never the liked cover. Jamie Reyes. I like the cover because of the design. I actually do like Jaime Reyes, but uh, uh, 
it's very, you know, it's it's red, black, and blue. Those are the only colors on the cover. And I can just imagine this on a red T-shirt and how wonderful the silhouette of, of Max Lord with the smoking gun would look on it. I mean, I just, I think it's a beautiful cover to this book. And, I, and again, the best thing I've seen so far in 2011. But uh, Dustin Wynn, the guy it, who draws Batman Streets of Gotham, just saying. It's very party. Um, the book picks up where the last one left off. Uh, Blue Beetle has been captured and is under the uh, the uh, thrall of Max Lord, who's just mean for no good reason. Max Lord is just mean. Um, and, of course, Power Girl has shaken off Max Lord's psionic mind mojo and now understands what's going on. So she has flown off to spread the word. And while uh, she's doing that, Booster and Fire and, and Flame... Rocket, Rocket Red, Red, Captain Adam, Adam, all, all come in to save the day just in time for Max Lord to shoot Jaime Reyes in the head, just like Ted Cord. I was kind of annoyed they had Power Girl fly off because I was hoping she was going to be part of the team now. Oh, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of her. Just like I'm sure that Jaime Reyes isn't really dead. Yeah, I think the even though it looks like there's blood all over the ground by his head, I think the suit did stop the bullet. Yeah, yeah. Or the suit has some kind of healing power or something like that. So I just have a hard time believing that. But it was an awfully good book. Really enjoyed it from from beginning to end. How about you? We've just same here. Loved it. We've discovered Max Max Lord's real superpower: shooting blue beetles in the head. Yeah, it does. Does seem to have a knack for it, doesn't he? <laughs> well, right. that the, guy's headshot every time it's really nice you know max lord's been dealing dealing out the pain to all these guys you know for 19 issues and so it was nice this issue to see max lord you know and to see the heroes coming together it's pretty pretty darn nice to see we've waited a good while for it and we're only like what seven issues from this thing wrapping up uh it's awfully darn good thoroughly yeah, and i i love his speeches to blue beetle about how uh you know, you're right. The heroes do always win, but you don't get it. I'm the hero. Yeah. I mean, this guy thinks what he's doing is for the greater good. Yeah. I'm getting a kick out of that. Yeah, me too. Well, and he's he's a very plausible villain. You know, uh, you you understand a, a little bit more each time you see Max why he's doing what he's doing and why he thinks he's in the right. The checkmate ship was a little bit lame, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the you know, the the ship looks like a big chess piece. A big transformer chess piece. That sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's envision this transformer chess piece thing coming out of the water to fly into the air. Yeah, that sounds really, really horrible. <laughs> did <Didn't> he? <laughs> Where did he get this thing from? You know, he picked it up at the Honda dealership. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever they sell 2011 <laughs> Rook. <laughs> <laughs> 30 miles to the gallon. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the great thing. It's a store. It looks, like looks kind of like a horse, and it's got the uh, the knight symbol on the front. So, I mean, I think maybe it was made for promotional material for Trojan. <laughs> <laughs> it's the big condom dealer. Anyway, it really very good. I'm, I'm so glad that, that we've stayed on with uh, Justice League Generation Lost because it's, it's very enjoyable. And it's well, the only place to get a good booster story. And, again beautiful cover well there's actually you know it was originally supposed to be 26 issues um but it's actually dropped down to 24 issues 
So there's only five issues left, and looking at the uh, the solicit text for issue 21, it looks like Beetle's still dead, so he may actually be dead. Nah, I'm not buying it. He's at least yeah, still dead. dead two issues from now. I think they're going to kill him so they can bring back Ted Cord. <laughs> no, nah, watch. watch. Oh, that's what we need. I like <laughs> Ted Cord. I'd be cool with Dan Garrett because I've been listening to a lot of the old radio dramas of Blue Beetle. I'd never listened to them before the last month or so. And actually, they've been pretty good. So I, I'd be cool with e- going even more retro than that. I just never liked the the alien space bug costume concept for Blue Beetle. Is there are Blue Beetle radio dramas? Yeah, he was one of the big uh, radio dramas back in like the days know, of the 40s. Phantom and the Shadow and Lone Ranger and all that. Yeah, Green Hornet, Phantom, Shadow, all of those. I've been listening to all of them. Really? <laughs> I got I got to look into that. I no, growing up, I used to love those old radio dramas. I, I used to listen to them on cassette tape when we took long trips. So I gotta I gotta look into that. Yeah, the original, the original Blue Beetle one. The concept was he had basically the equivalent of a super super soldier serum in him, and he was wearing a bulletproof vest, and that was his big gimmick. And he was a police officer. Very different Blue Beetle than anything I've ever read. That's very interesting. It's, I'm I'm going to dig into that. You do that. I will. Don't, don't you dare me, Paul. <laughs> don't you dare me. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Oh, I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> Just like I dared Tim to buy Batman and Robin number 20 this week. <laughs> yep. How'd that work out for you, Tim? Well, okay. So there's like – two-thirds of a really good story here. So, uh, you know, the characterization with the boys in the manor and talking to Bruce again, liked it. You know, I liked a lot of the interactions. I liked the interaction Damien had with Commissioner Gordon. Even the beginning of the story was fairly interesting when this guy with wings falls out of the sky and almost hits Dick. But then something happened, and I don't know, two-thirds of the way into the book, Paul. And that I immediately checked out. Yeah, You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I am. So let's spoil it a little bit. So Batman and Robin number 20 is the first issue uh, featuring the creative team of Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. These are the guys who worked on uh, Green Lantern Core before the the current creative team, before, you know, up up through Blackest Night. And so I was really excited about this book. And I got to be honest, like Tim said, when the book starts off, the um, Bruce Wayne gets all of his sons together and Alfred, and the, together they watch The Mark of Zorro together. Um, and it, it's a really well done scene, very touching, you know, to, to see, you know, Bruce Wayne in that capacity. And, uh, you know, the, the book has some good character moments. Like Tim said, you know, the, 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 the story starts off with. Uh, like an, this guy dressed up as an angel falling from the sky and he's bleeding golden blood and stuff like that. And about two thirds of the way into the issue, man bat shows up literally out of nowhere. Um, and like the last six pages of the book are nothing but confusion. And I got to be honest up until then, like you, I loved the issue after that. I didn't dislike it. I'm just wondering what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Man Bat shows up, and my interest immediately goes out the window. I'm really? Like, you don't like Man Bat? No, because the story, well, it wasn't supposed to be about Man Bat, I don't think. I think to build up the storyline, you should have continued with the 
with the character moments that were were you know leading off this book. Then then yeah. all of a sudden, Man Bad shows. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, and yeah, I do not like that character to begin with, but to have him jump on board right in, right in the first steps of what they were building up to be a, a you know a stepping on point because they've been showing this this cover art in in you know in the you know in previous issues trying to build up momentum and then I just feel like they stomped it not even right out of the gates. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna I mean I'm gonna keep it going. I'm gonna it's a three issue storyline, so I'm gonna see what happens in the next issue and see if we get a little more explanation as as to what's going on. But I gotta say, despite any issues I had with the story, Patrick Gleason rocked it on art. I thought the art in this book was gorgeous. I didn't have any problems with it. I didn't I wouldn't go gorgeous, but it was definitely solid. Really? I thought it was awesome. It's kind of kind of that, especially the man bat stuff, and maybe yeah. that's more you know also the the colorist and the the inkist inker inker inkist yeah that's a new word for you inkist, um, inkist and don't forget the artist inkist artist <laughs> arter and writist <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know I, I I enjoyed it I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to um, but I did like the way that they characterized Dick Grayson. You know, I like that he wasn't written just as Bruce Wayne <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when he was in the Batman costume. So I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm going to keep it going and uh, see where it goes from here. You have fun but, with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will. I, I will buy Batman and Robin 21. But one thing you will not be seeing me buy is Superman. Unlike two losers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got suckered in by the Wonder Woman on the cover. Yeah, so, there's nothing laudable about Superman. <laughs> so, but before you guys have to go into the, the the details of the book, I have to say a funny story that I was reading online today about this book. So, the whole solicits for this book were about Superman visiting Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha shops, the local media, everyone has been psyched about this issue. Local stores like bought hundreds of copies because they figured there'd be a rush on this stuff. Superman's visiting our town. And then Superman doesn't go to Omaha, Nebraska in the book. He goes to Lincoln. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you suckers. <laughs> so, so with that, how was Lincoln's how was Superman's adventure in Lincoln, Nebraska, Aaron and Wayne? Well, you know, I picked it up because Wonder Woman was on the cover. And, you know, Tim and Wayne have been uh you know, talking about Wonder Woman, and you know, this was uh, this is one of the stories that the the story was plotted by Straczynski, but the script was actually written by Chris Roberson. And so I picked it up and I thumbed through it, and you know, you've got the uh, Eddie Barrows artwork, and it's just beautiful artwork. I thought, I, particularly, you know, all these alternate uh, Superman, because you know, Superman goes and visits the future while he's on his little walkabout, and kind of enjoyed those pages did not care for the pages in lincoln nebraska i was the opposite i hated all of the superman going to visit the future superman i wouldn't go so far as to say i enjoyed the wonder woman pages i didn't think they were as bad as the the future storyline and all the future superman they are not up to par with what's going on in wonder woman though that is it is very very subpar of the stories going on over there it's just a here's a cameo well, and and I guess something has happened in the since we dropped off of the Superman book, um, 
apparently Superman is very depressed and he's having a crisis of faith and he's just rather down in the dumps. He's Mr. Saddy face. And, uh, you know, so he believes in truth and justice, but not so much the American way. Apparently Superman says, fuck America. Um, he is not your patriotic superhero anymore. (laughs) Um, he, he is approached by these future versions of the Superman family, you know, from various eras and epochs. Uh, they come and they bring him into the Fortress of Solidarity. Because, you know, the Fortress of Solitude is where Superman goes to be along, but the Fortress of Solidarity is where Superman goes to be with his other selves. Strange. Oh, strange there, oh it, it gets worse. There's a giant Superman gorilla. There is a. There's a super solar system that's too big to fit in the Fortress of Solitude. Well, and there's also a seldom no, no, seldom noticed supercilia, a single cellular hero who protects life forms too small for most beings to detect. Oh, my nose just started <laughs> and, bleeding. And super, but Wayne, super you got to know, when they had the gorilla wearing the Superman costume, I am there. All part of the Monkey Legion uh, I'm putting uh. <laughs> <laughs> dumber for having listened to this kind of <laughs> oh god damn right. we should have taken this off of the, the, the outline that's all I was <laughs> I, this sounds like uh this sounds like a story my my six-year-old son would tell me <laughs> this book was and daddy dumb. there was one superman who's so big he couldn't even fit inside right. <laughs> but you know i i did enjoy these pages i thought these pages were kind of fun you know it, it harkened back to a a a more enjoyable time in Superman storytelling. But the minute he drops into Lincoln, Nebraska, and please understand, I'm not blaming this on Wonder Woman. I'm blaming it, however, on the villain and how all of a sudden there's this flood and the floodwaters are rising, you know, exponentially. And it's just, it didn't, none of this seemed like a challenge that was worth Superman. Nor does this villain seem like, you know, she is Superman level. And it seems like the only reason that this person can really affect Superman is because he was predisposed to being down in the dumps, and she's exacerbating that. And I gotta tell you, that is not the Superman story I want to read. Just to clarify, Aaron's not blaming Wonder Woman; he's blaming Lincoln, Nebraska. Exactly. <laughs> if this had been in Omaha, completely different story. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, I thought the beginning part was just corny as hell. Uh, this future Superman, I thought was. Just stupid. The see, I loved it. The Lincoln, Nebraska stuff was all stupid. horrible. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Wonder Woman was the only good thing about this book, and it's very, very subpar. It's not quite the same characters. Like, there's a hint of her there. You see some interesting things from her, but it's just not. not it's watered down. Watered down. Well, because there's all that that the rainwater. You know that is other, true. It is literally literally watered, watered down. down. But, you know, there is nothing on the page here. As someone who's not read any of that Wonder Woman run, there's nothing on the page here that makes me want to go and read that Wonder Woman run. That's because there's nothing on the page that has anything to do with the Wonder Woman storyline. Story yeah, yeah. And I sense that. I sense that. I mean, I just think that the, the whole – Nebraska really should never be featured in a comic book. I think that's the issue. <laughs> Sorry, Omaha. It has nothing to do with the Fortress of Solidarity, really. The Fortress of Solidarity was great. Oh well, no, God. what I want to know is how did he get from to the Fortress Solidarity then on to Lincoln? He, he's, he's not flying, is he? No, they uh, when they tra- teleport. 
when the uh, caught a bus when the future super people transported him. He actually does catch a bus, but not the way you're describing. That is true. But, you know, when the future super people whisked him away to the Fortress of Solidarity, when they brought him back, they brought him back to Nebraska. So he cheated on his walking trip. He was dropped off there just so he can motivate Wonder Woman. That's right. What I'm hearing is that this guy goes off, leaves his wife, leaves uh-huh. his kind of his job, abandons his responsibilities, uh-huh. ignores his friends, blows them off. Uh, yeah. Yep, super bad and, husband. And then, and then the supermen of parallel universes decide to have an intervention. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh my god! And this is selling books. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's sold too. <laughs> they basically they bring him forward and they tell him his current actions could lead to all of them never existing anymore. That he's really? he's going to really? wipe them out of can continuity because he's doing anything. <laughs> yeah, can we have some sort of this isn't so bad. Maybe he should keep walking so we don't get Super Eight. We have got to have Superman out there doing Superman things so that we can have Titano, protector of the Gorilla Galaxy. <laughs> if Superman doesn't fulfill his destiny, we will never have Super Gorilla. And I need that this. would be a horrible, horrible thing. It would. That's a <laughs> risk I'm willing to take, Aaron. <laughs> Andrew, you're off the show. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you have to leave him on because you didn't read Power Man and Iron Fist with me this week. I believe that's Powder Man and Iron First. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we were talking earlier about Marvel's depiction of black characters. Uh, this This did them no favors, in my opinion. Because they have a new Power Man, this young uh, why, kid. Why do they have a new Power Man? I've not I don't know. Because I kind of like the real Power Man. <laughs> exactly. And if you don't care about continuity anyway, why not have him in this book? Yeah. But, that, was, that was what I didn't understand. I mean, I, I bought the book because I saw Power Man and Iron Fist and really hadn't tuned in, despite the amazing Spider-Man backup with this imposter Power Man. Uh, and <laughs> so I got it, and I'm like, well, okay, this is the guy from that Amazing Spider-Man. Hopefully that's not going to be the case. But does Luke Cage appear in this book? No. Negative. Ah, oh, dude. Well, yeah. <laughs> not only that, something interesting happens in this book. Danny Rand is in bed with a white chick. Did him and Mr. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, you know, Paul, if you were reading Heroes for Hire. <laughs> okay, which I wouldn't. <laughs> You would know that uh, after the uh, loss of, of Misty's fake pregnancy, they decided to split up as a couple. Because her womb was a was a barren and rocky place where his seat find no purchase? You know, that's the subtext. <laughs> <laughs> they don't come out and say it, but yeah. No, so this is uh, – I, I don't know how Paul felt about it, but this this was not – this is almost as bad as the first Heroes were hired in my opinion. Really, I gotta, I gotta say, I thought it was kind of fun, but not. Be- but I gotta say, the weakest part of it was Power Man. I didn't yeah, mind easily. the Iron Fist stuff, and it had the Dawn of the Dead in it. Dio de los Muertos. Yeah, Aaron from Taskmaster. Oh yeah, I did it. The Dawn of the Dead. He says, "I killed your face." <laughs> <laughs> And then at one point he says, "Oh snap!" when he shoots someone in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> well, something to look forward to then. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, and so when I saw him, I'm like, this book is going to be awesome, and it wasn't awesome, but I didn't dislike it. I just, you know, the uh, Power Man, you know, he makes a lot of like black jokes, stereotypical yeah, black. black jokes. 
He's like, I ain't your slave, that kind of thing. I mean, seriously, he says stuff like that. <laughs> he says, I'm not going to call you my master. There was 40 That's... acres and a horse that say, I don't have to call you my master. Nice. Yeah, and it's like, eh, you know, is that really necessary? You know, it just didn't – some of that stuff just didn't seem necessary in the book. Um, no. I guess he's an angry young black guy, but still. It, but I do agree with you. The stuff with uh, with uh, the day of the, the dawn of the dead was some of the best the best pages. And, and is that him that shows up uh, in the room when Power Man's there? You know, he's all in silhouette. Up? He's just this black form. No, when, that is someone else. I don't know who that is though. Okay, I, I do like his response. The this scary man shows up. Power Man's by himself. And he goes, "You work for Crime Buster." And his reply was, "I could work for him if you'd like that." <laughs> Very heroic. Yeah, but it's honestly, I didn't dislike the issue. It's only two ninety nine. It's written by Fred Van Lente, who I'm I'm a fan of. You know, uh, I, I like Fred Van Lente's stuff. Um, I liked the Taskmaster series until the ending. You know, so maybe this story's gonna just suck at the end. But you know, I, I like he Fred Van Lente's skill seems to be in creating cool villains, and he's got like this circus of villains here. Yep. You know, this like evil clown with razor sharp teeth and then you have the Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Pagliacci, that's right. Well, and they uh, took Joyce. He took Joyce to a very dark place, didn't he? Joyce? Uh Danny's Danny's old uh old old power man and iron fist office manager. Oh yeah, yeah. She uh she started working for uh what's the guy's Crime name? Buster. Crime Buster, duh. Yep. Yeah, she started working for Crime Buster and then yeah, she she started being abused and yeah, uh, that, that was a little dark, a little dark, but then... Now she's know, in well, Riker's prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Danny Rand sleeping with a white chick. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, if he gets her pregnant, just be careful. <laughs> His iron seed. <laughs> o- ultrasound early and often. The iron oh, fist man, there's an nice. iron fist joke in here that I'm not going to make. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was okay, but it was not... Uh, I was... I was very disappointed it was not the original Power Man, that it's Victor Alvarez as Power Man instead of Luke Cage. Yeah, I'm not yeah. interested in that at all. But, you know, I, if it was $3.99, I would say fuck this book. But because it's $2.99 and it had the Dawn of the Dead, it's got enough for me to come back for issue two. I killed well, your you, face! I killed you know, your face! I'm still buying Heroes for Hire, so you know I'm going to come back for it. But, <sighs> but speaking of another book that's $3.99 that I could do but without, I'm, that I yeah. am dropping... Let's talk about Star Trek Infestation. Oh, it was bad. Oh, my God. It was God. really bad. You know, and this... I think I've got objections about it that I know Paul won't have. So I'm going to let Paul go first. Okay. So Star Trek Infestation number one. We talked about Infestation number one. Actually, uh, when Jake Ekis was on the show, he read inf- we suckered him into buying Infestation number one. And uh, none of us were super excited about it. But we thought, eh, you know, Star Trek zombies, let's pick up Star Trek Infestation. And so this features Kirk, Spock, and Bones. Yeah, and Bones um, on you know on a planet that gets a zombie infestation. They're with a couple of red shirts who, you know, I, I know there's this whole thing about red shirts, but when all the red shirts die within one page of each other, it kind of takes a little of the suspense out of the book because you know they're not going to kill Kirk, Bones, and Spock. Right. Like, well, I like nice- how. I like how they're taking a six-hour shuttle ride to a planet, so they packed three security guys in with them. Because, you know, something might happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then they – this is weird because Kirk sends a message back to the Enterprise, right? Uh, there's a scene where the, the zombies know how to 
you know, they, they retain some of their knowledge, so they're going to take Kirk's shuttle um, back to the Enterprise. And so Kirk sends a message back to the Enterprise. If you see this shuttle, you know, don't let them on board no matter what the cost, right? You know, he sends this, this long message, you know, don't let them on board. This is an order. You know, please get here as soon as possible, but do not let that, you know, do not let the, uh, the Conrad back on the Enterprise. And then they blow up the Conrad before it takes off. So what was the point in sending that message? It let them fill about half a page of material. It, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, they got a page he, count to make. He should have just said, come save us, and then they could have blown up the Conrad. I don't know why he said, don't let the Conrad on board, because the Conrad doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. Or they could have blown the Conrad up and then called and left their message then. I mean, there were so many issues with this book. Let's also talk about the fact that given the costumes that they're wearing, uh-huh. they also refer to him as Admiral. Kirk. Well, this if you if you look at what they're wearing versus uh, the ship and the technology, this is around Star Trek Five time. Was he an admiral at that time? No, he was captain. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I, I know that's I know that's like Star Trek fanboyish, uh-huh. but I, given the, the timing of this, I knew he couldn't have been an admiral at the at the time this book took place. Yeah. Well, and and this is where I get off to what pisses me off about this book. Now, okay. I, I let me let me just say, huge fucking Star Trek geek. Okay, I acknowledge that. I own it. What drives me crazy is when you bring writers on to a Star Trek book and they don't understand how the characters talk and they don't understand how the technology works. And so you've got them in this shuttle, and it's one of the smaller shuttles. It's not like a next generation shuttle that's designed to support you for several days travel. This is a short range shuttle. So you've got six guys in this thing. There is no room for living quarters or anything like that. But immediately, the Enterprise is out of range. You know, there is there is nothing on the page to communicate that they were hours in transit or days in transit. But immediately, from the time they left the Enterprise to the time they're on the ground, the inter- the quickest the Enterprise can get back is five days. You know, and there are ways to write around, write around to make it work in the story, but this is just lazy writing. And so I was like, well, what have these guys? What have these guys written? You know, and so I went and I looked, and you know, they've written a lot of Star Trek titles, and they've even written a couple of things that I enjoyed. Uh, you know, they've written the Spock Reflections books, some of the Alien Spotlight stuff that I enjoyed, but it's like these guys hadn't written a Star Trek book before, because I mean, there's there's none of the of the plotting and pacing that you would expect. You know, and they they just haven't done anything to make the technology work on their behalf. They just said, "Oh, well, Enterprise is out of range," and I know we're supposed to accept that because that happens all the time. But at least it's explained better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I would think that if you're going to write this, you're going to take the intellectual property of something like Star Trek and put it into a zombie story, which this essentially is. Right. That you would include the stuff from the Star Trek universe that would make it interesting. But this could be any three random right. you know, right. jackholes running around in a zombie invasion. Well, and, and I don't want to turn this into a what if we were writing Star Trek infestation. <laughs> but, I, you know, well, we I, should. <laughs> the way I would really have done should. this is you would have had the Enterprise in orbit. You would have beamed down to the planet and found all these dead colonists. Bones beams a body back up to the ship so that they can do an autopsy, and that's when the zombie comes to life. And that's Absolutely. how you get your infestation. You don't waste all this time down in the colony world colony when you world. know 
these the, the main characters aren't going to die. I mean, you know, looking in this book, you're on the you're on the second the panel second. of the first page of the book. You know, those three guys in the background, the background that we don't know, they're all dead men. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And I mean, it happens immediately, despite the fact that they're wearing security armor. No, I, I gotta say, I had no problem with the three red shirts dying instantly because that's a great, that's a great uh, callback to the original show. But but yeah, you but see yeah. those three guys, you're like. Dead, dead, and dead. <laughs> right. But miraculously, not a mark on any of the three main characters. Oh, no, not at all. And no risk to the three main characters. I mean, they're all just, I'll whack this guy with my shovel. And wh- and I have to say also what, what bugged me. Uh, the first time one of his security men falls, Kirk, the Kirk that we know would have switched over to uh, uh, killing power on the face. Oh, yeah. But he yeah. waits until all three of them are dead. Okay, well, now it's getting down to us, down guys. To- uh, we probably ought to put these to kill force. <laughs> the expendables are gone. It's time yeah. It's time to get serious. That mark of a true leader. <laughs> yeah, it was just it's, – it's, it's a poorly written book, it, yeah. it, and that's yeah. what it boils down to. You know, there's no sense of research on the continuity yeah. of Star yeah. Trek. You know, uh, I, for a second I was hoping – and I hadn't – you know, uh, until the preview came out, I was kind of hoping it would take place in the new Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's off limits because J.J. Abrams says don't don't fuck with my shit until I make the second movie. Right. You know. Um, you know. So they they put it in the original Star Trek universe with the, oh, I mean, like we're going all the way back to the original Star Trek logo. So you know, yeah. like you think yeah. it takes place during the time period of the original series, but it, you know, th- there's dialogue that conflicts with that. There's just so many issues with yeah. with this book. Well, not only is the writing bad, but I think the art is. Is very bad as well. I mean, they look like—I don't know how to describe my disgust at the art, but yeah. they look like caricatures, poorly done. And if you look at the action sequences, I know it's a zombie book. There's lots of fighting. There's no—and I'm looking right now at a page where the three of them are running away from the zombie horde, and there's no—you can hardly tell they're running. They—they look like right. animated characters with their legs spinning, but they're not moving anywhere. <laughs> And I mean, there's, you know, hitting people with, with boards and shovels, and it looks like, I don't know, they just don't convey the action very well at all in this book. Well, and another thing that really bugged me, okay, so you've got the uh, security man that gets infected with the zombie virus, and they go hole up someplace, and so Bones is taking a look at him, and he's like, you know, you know, uh, you know let me take a look at that son, and he's, he's examining him, but he's not recording the transition on his, on his tricorder. You know, he, he's he's not, you know, logging the transition that's occurring, the progress of the illness and all that kind of stuff so that, you know, maybe later on down the road, he can have a cure. <laughs> that's kind of a spectacular malpractice there, Dr. McCoy. <laughs> they don't have malpractice in the future, Aaron. Had. 23rd I mean, century, not so much. It's not national so health care. You know, it's. <laughs> It's Obamacare in the 23rd century. <laughs> so no, this this book was horrible, and yes, I will not be buying I- any more of these. Nor will I. I'm I'm Nor done with infestation, and that's sad. I was actually looking forward to this. Um, it is just bad, bad, bad. And I was also I you know I know Dan Slott and uh, uh, Andy Lanning, right? Abnett, Dan, Dan Abnett, Abnett thank Andy you. Lanning. Well, Dan Slott too. <laughs> Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning were Andy. writing the uh, bookend pieces. I also thought they were writing the others, and it wasn't until I picked this up that I realized that it was other folks. Because when I was halfway through this, I'm like, who the fuck is writing this thing? You know, because I actually enjoyed the writing on the first one. I think 
I think that the artwork didn't support the storytelling in the in the uh, in the first Infestation book, but this was just bad, bad, yeah. bad. bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The only one DNA are writing is uh, the Transformers series. Ah, well, I won't be picking up that one either. Well, yeah. the artwork, you know, the story might be great on the Transformers, but the artwork in the preview for the Transformers is just is just yeah. horrible. Yeah. Well, I won't be picking up the rest of those, and I also did not pick up Aspen Comics' Kara's Magic. But I know that Paul and Andrew did. Yes, we did. And, and it, it, it was a buck ninety-nine. Uh, Kara's Magic number zero, and uh, you know, for a buck ninety-nine, you get a a, a lot a, a, a lot of story. You do. Um, maybe too much. For for a comic that's only thirteen pages long, beautiful art. Yes, I mean it's a gorgeous book. But well, I gotta but tell I you, after, I, you read after this, I read this, I, I'm just confused. <laughs> I don't understand. I understand the fable, but I don't understand the world. And it, you know, I know it's a zero issue, but I'm, I'm just confused. Help me out, Paul. Oh, I don't. I, I can't explain it. <laughs> um, you know, the, I, I kind of, you know, the, the preview art for Kara's Magic has shown that it takes place in Vegas, and there's some type of magic and fantasy. I didn't quite realize there was that much fantasy involved. You know, that there was this whole fantasy world with, you know, different creatures and things like that, and you know, there's this whole like begin since the beginning of time and these ancient beings and all that stuff. I didn't realize there was all of that. That it was kind of like Lord of the Rings <laughs> meets you know Harry Potter type thing. Um, I mean, no, that's please. not just. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say it seems to me more like a uh, Lord of the Rings meets uh, Three Thousand Miles to Vegas, but yeah, I guess yeah, that, that, that's even better. You know, meets honeymoon in Vegas <laughs> with you know parachuting uh, Elvises, Elvi. But yeah. um, you know, I didn't dislike it. I got to say, I did not dislike it. It just it felt like a bit much. You know, I would have actually preferred, to be honest with you, I would have preferred less of the the mythology and a little more action, a little more you know oomph to this first issue. Uh, and we basically get a scene in a diner where people explain the whole back world. And then the introduction to the main character, and then the book's over. Um, and right. I, I think he, I would have preferred, you know, something just like like the opening of a Bond film. You know, just give me a bunch of action, and then explain it when I get issue one. Right, because you only see the main character for about one or two pages, and that's it. And you have this gigantic backstory going back to the, you know, the very beginning of our of our world in this, this in this setting, and. You have no – I have very little idea of how all this backstory is going to tie in with the actual main plot line of the story as it goes forward with the main character. I mean I guess we'll find out. I mean are you – so you know, are you on board for Kara's Magic number one? Yeah, you know, like you said, it's not an unpleasant. It's, it's a decent mythology that they lay out in this book, and you know, the art is beautiful. And yeah, no, I'll definitely check out number one to see if I can actually find out what the plot line is going to be. I mean, it's definitely a gorgeous book, um, created and written by Vince Hernandez with art by Kerry Randolph. Um, and the guy does a fantastic job on the art. Yeah. And the main character's name? Hank the Magnificent. So, I mean, how can you go wrong with a guy <laughs> named Hank? That's a good point. You know, it, I've, I don't remember the last time there was a hero named Hank in a book that I read. Well, yeah. he's magnificent. And, he's a, he, and he is magnificent. It's not as cool as Super Gorilla. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Is it as cool as Spider Girl? 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now that you're out, now that you're out of the closet with your I, Spider I am Girl still addiction. secretly reading Spider Girl, but uh, <laughs> every time it comes out, we're going to ask you about it on the air. Just so <laughs> you know. I, I can get you a number for for people who can help you with this addiction. <laughs> you're not alone. He, I, I he think might I might be. be. <laughs> <laughs> well, on this podcast, you're alone, yeah. but someone's got to uh, be reading Spider Girl. <laughs> sure, not going to be me. Probably the same people reading Superman. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that Andrew took his Tim pill. That's right. That, is, <laughs> that was a little hurty. Did you hear the story? I mean, come on. <laughs> Super chromosome. <laughs> Super amoeba. So, Paul, you've got a special feature coming to the site this week. I do. Um, so, by the time you listen to this um as of this past saturday i will have posted an introduction to supernatural straight jacket which is a uh, we're bringing serialized fiction you know we already do tuesday tales on uh you know on ideology of com, but i'm also uh bringing uh a story of mine um tuesday tales is written by uh a woman named deborah silkoch correct and um you know, uh, I'm bringing Supernatural Straightjacket every Saturday, Supernatural Saturday. See, there you go. I worked that in somewhere. With Sam and Dean, right? With Sam and Dean. Oh, they're not in the story. Sorry. Um, but Supernatural Straightjacket is a, an original story. It's only going to be on ideologyofmanage.com unless someone pays me to put it someplace else. Um, and uh, it started this – like I said, introduction was this past Saturday. It, it features a supernatural detective in a world of nightmarish creatures. And, uh, you know, it's very exciting. I hope you guys dig it. I would love you guys to, to go out there, read it, let me know your thoughts um, on, on the story. And if it does well, of course, uh, the, the main character, whose name is Bartleby, will be continuing into further stories that will also premiere on ideologyofmadness.com, one chapter at a time, every Saturday. Uh, so check it out, Super, uh, Supernatural Straightjacket on ideologyofmadness.com. It's got some kick-ass art. Uh, I think you guys will really dig it. So are you writing are you as writing? you go, or do you have the entire yeah. thing already written? Uh, Supernatural Straightjacket is entirely written. Um, it's all it's all done. It's all completed. Um, and I've actually already started writing the sequel, which is Atlantean Mountains of Madness. So if that if that title intrigues you, read Supernatural Straightjacket. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something about Paul that that many of our listeners might not know, but the fucker is a writing machine. You know, he'll say, Yeah, I'm gonna take the weekend off and he'll come back, finish my novel. <laughs> when did you start? Thursday. I started it Thursday. It's done. I mean, you know, a writing machine. I think he's some very, kind of automaton. Very nice and very impressive. I mean, right now I've I have made writing my goal for this year, and I'm averaging about 500 words a day without missing days, and I I'm pretty proud of that. But the idea of doing a whole novel in the course of a week is just I'm envious. <laughs> You know, I, the, the Supernatural Straightjacket is actually, um, if you and you guys will learn a little bit more about this in Funny Books Unlimited episode two, is actually just part of a larger universe that I created for a series of novels I started writing. And so I, I've actually written the first three novels in that series, and I've gotten all, and it's a series of six novels, and I've gotten all the way through six fully outlined. They're they're ready to go. Um, I, so you know, but I, I thought. You know what better way to introduce people to the world? You know, rather than jump into the novel, you know the, these side stories featuring this supernatural detective who's one of my favorite characters from the book. Um, you know, and I think it'll definitely appeal to people who like comic books and people who, you know, who, who read our site because it's kind of written 
Yeah, I, that, those are the things that inspire me. So, you know, I, I hope you guys will dig the story. Well, you know, I'm not I'm not a writer, but uh, I am very impressed with your ability to uh, put out content. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. Cool. Yeah, look at that. Wayne's writing, Paul's writing. You know, the thing, the last thing I wrote, my rent check. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Good stuff. We'll chat with you next week. All right, everybody. Talk to you next week. See ya. See ya. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 